This is a song about what it means to live abundant life. And I think that when you're a kid, you have this desire to live and to explore and to breathe and to uncover what it means to, to exist here on this planet. That somehow, as you grow up, as, as you uh, are worn in by this world, you lose that passion. And uh, this is a song about getting that passion back. This is your life. Welcome to Switchfoot Song Stories, a fan-run and operated podcast, not affiliated with Switchfoot. Hey everybody, we are back for another episode. I'm your host, Tyler D. Smith, and my guest this week is author, speaker, podcast host, entrepreneur, and fellow Switchfoot fan, Darren Earlywine. I've had the privilege of working with Darren uh, a few different times, and I'm a big fan of his work and all that he's involved with. Uh, Darren, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? Hey, Tyler, it's great to be on the show, dude. I can't wait to uh, talk Switchfoot and everything in between, dude. Yeah, we will definitely dive into all of your new projects and things you've got uh, coming out. You got a new book coming out that we'll definitely talk about. But I also wanted to kind of travel back in time for just a minute because when I first met you years ago. Uh, the things you were working on at that point, you were playing drums in a band, you were pastoring young adults, and then um, you started this incredible ministry called Pub Theology. And the reason I'm asking about it is because I love the heart behind it. Uh, quite honestly, I think it fits into a lot of the Switchfoot conversations that, that I've had over the past few months and kind of the mindset that Switchfoot has of loving people, meeting them where they are. So if you could take a stroll down memory lane with me and, and tell our audience what Pub Theology is all about. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, Pub has been an amazing you know, experiment for the past 13 years. And, you know, the kind of crazy part is the roots of the ministry go, you know, way back further than that. And, uh, you know, it started for me, I was in third grade, my brother and I got a, a tape of the band Striper. And from the moment I pushed play, man, I was like, you know, grabbing pencils and trying to play along. And I realized, man, I think I can be a drummer. I think I can do this. And I uh, learned to play drums, and from that point on, the you know focus of my life was you know put a band together, and 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 that was what I thought I was put on earth to do. And so, I uh, grew up in Arizona, moved from there to Indiana, go to college, and you know find four guys, start a band, and conquer the world. And uh, we started that process, put a band together, started touring quite a bit. And in that time, we would and we play churches, we play camps, conferences, but then we would book ourselves on the weekends uh, at bars all over the nation. So. You know, some of the cooler bars we got to play, uh, played a bar called the Coconut Teaser uh, down on uh, down the Sunset Strip in L.A. No longer exists. We played at the, the world famous Whiskey A Go-Go uh, where, you know, Guns N' Roses and Van Halen, all these guys got their start. We played there, played ba bars all over the place. And what we'd do is we'd play our set and then we'd get done and people in the bar would come up and be like, hey, you guys singing about Jesus and stuff? And we're like, yeah, actually we are. And, um, you know, they respected our musicianship enough to, to give us a, you know, a... a an audience. And then, you know, some really, really cool kingdom conversations came from that. And so that was in my heart to do. And then I went and planted a church when I was in my young twenties. And after about six years, I got, had kind of a missional freak out where I'd gotten to the place so inundated and so, you know, uh, focused on running the church that I didn't have any influential relationships with anybody that didn't know Jesus. And that was a problem for me. And so put together a band with some of the same guys that we were in this college band with. And we, started experimenting with, you know, playing uh, gigs at bars around Indy. And 
I'd get up, I'd get up the last, you know, after the last song or in between the, the last two songs. And I'd do this little thought of the night, you know, three minute sermon and, and people started to really respond to it. And so we say, Hey, could we maybe make this a thing? And so, um, put a plan together called the thing pub theology. We said, listen, let's bring in a couple new elements. Let's bring in a charity. Every, every, uh, event people can give money to the charity. We'll interview the charity. Um, let's give people an opportunity to enter a conversation with us. So text like an anonymous text Q and a, where they can send in questions about faith, hope, God, whatever. And, uh, we'll do our best to answer them. And then, um, and I would still do the thought of the night and, uh, and it's evolved over the past 13 years. Uh, but it's been amazing to see people that would, you know, had no, no intention on darkening the door of a church, you know, uh, come to faith in Christ, get baptized, get discipled. Uh, and some of them even start some of their own ministries. We had a dude actually that uh, came to faith in pub theology, loved the model of it. And he was a, he's a diehard pro wrestling fan, like WWE wrestling. And so he's launched a ministry. We've helped him launch it called Re uh, Wrestling Theology. And he puts on like full blown like WWE events every month and does an intermission. And he shares the gospel. So it's just, it's been a crazy experiment, Tyler. And, and uh, yeah, it dates all the way back to third grade in Striper. Wow. Well, I got to ask, did you get any pushback from anybody, at least, uh, I don't know, to your face or behind where, you know, some of those church folk that are like church in a bar, you know, is that something Jesus would really do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely did. You know, what's interesting is I always say, looking back, I feel like we got less than I thought we would. And some of that may be because I wasn't asking for permission, like, and not in a not in a disrespectful way, but like, well, I guess that's not totally true that I think about it. Because when we started uh, the very, very first seeds of the ministry, I was uh, I was a part of a denomination that was very, um, very conservative, you know, kind of teetotaling, no drinking uh, rules for the membership. And um, and actually the beginnings of pub theology actually ended up getting me kicked out of the denomination that I was born into, which was not fun and uh pretty humbling but it was for me i i i really believed that that god could do something with ministry so when i went to interview um i was uh, went, went to interview at east 91st street christian church actually before my interviews there actually predated me getting kicked out of the denomination but when i sat down with them i said hey listen i feel like god's given me a vision for this pub theology ministry here's what we want to do Here's what we've been doing. Like, will you give me permission to kind of be a research and development arm of the kingdom and try this? And um, and they were they were all about it, you know, and said, you know what, I think you can do it. Now, to once we did start it, there were definitely a segment of people that were very concerned about what we were doing. And, you know, our tagline that we put on our posters was faith, hope, love and beer. And that did not go over very well with some of some of the folks at the church. And I ended up having, you know, some pretty uh passionate meetings with the eldership where they were like you have to change the slogan and and you know we'd already been doing events and i and and i respectfully you know argued with them i said listen like we chose this slogan purposely because christian people see it and they go they react and say those words shouldn't go together and i said the same thing is happening when we're in the bars is people that aren't you know aren't people that are of faith right now they read them and they go those words can't go together. And when we get to have a conversation that yes, they can, like the fact that you're in a bar drinking beer does not somehow 
you know, remove you from the opportunity to experience the faith, hope, and love of Jesus. And we compromised. We took the word beer off. And we put the posters up in the church. We kept beer in the in the poster when it was in the bar, and uh, you know, and it worked out. In fact, you know, one of the times that um, one of the game changers for us with support of the church at that point was um, there was a, a, a long-term like legacy pastor that was there at East 91st Street named John Samples, and John is an amazing man of God. I love him to death. And John came to an event we were doing in Broad Ripple. And that night, the bar was packed. It was, you know, great event. And this happened all the time, Tyler, that when I would get up and do the thought of the night, I would often open a little camouflage New Testament, and I would read from it. And, and what was crazy is almost every night, the moment I would open the Bible, it would, the, the crowd would get quiet. And it would be like the crowd would, the, you know, the bar would silence. And he saw it that night. And uh, come to find out later, he was kind of sent down there from the from the eldership to spy on us. You know what I mean? Like, you know, let's uh, let's send John down to see what the crazies are doing at Broad Ripple, right? And so he came back to the elders and he was like, "Listen," he explained what he saw and he said, "I don't," you know, he said, "This ministry makes me nervous." He's like, "You know that that's not for me," but he was like, "God is at work and what they're doing with Pub." Mm-hmm. And so after that, you know, we had a handful of people here and there there was a group of four dudes that used to come to the events all the time and, and they would try to heckle me through the text Q and a questions. Like they would basically ask me questions in a way that, that they wanted me to answer them, to present the gospel in the way they thought the gospel needed to be presented, mm-hmm. which is just interesting. I'm like, dudes, like, yeah, like you're, you're going to take time out of your Christian life to come to our event, to heckle me leaving the event and try to get me to present the gospel in the way that you want it presented. Like, how about you just start your own event and you can present it however you want, you know? Yeah. Uh, but for the majority, there's a lot of stories around that, but for the majority, you know, most of the people at the church were supportive. And through the years, there's been, you know, some great churches around Indy that have jumped on board and, and really helped us grow it. Love it. Yeah. I love hearing stories like that and, um, you know, getting to see it in action years ago. And, and I do think, of Switchfoot with stories like that, because how much of their careers there've been people saying like, Oh, Switchfoot played there. Or they played with that tour, that band, like they didn't say Jesus here or, you know, things like that. And, and yeah. it's like John said, he said many times that he grew up, you know, the, him and Tim and the band grew up playing at frat parties on Saturdays and playing in churches on Sundays. And they didn't think it was weird. You know, it was, they were not, being different in different locations they they're like our job is just you know speak the truth and play yeah. our music play for thinking people and so things like that you know has always been um, admirable uh, to me with you know switchfoot pub theology projects like that so yeah uh, i don't know if you ever saw this but john wrote an article for relevant years ago and i think the title was something like the drunk and the hypocrite and in that article he said it's to our shame that people often find more grace in the local bar than they do in the local church. Yeah. Which is another reason I love how they take their music and these conversations everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter where it is. They're going to be the same people and take, take their light everywhere they go. So it's really cool. No doubt. Absolutely. So how many times have you seen Switchfoot live? And is, is there a favorite night that comes to mind? How many times have I seen them? Gosh, it's gotta be too many to count. Yeah, I mean, probably at least, I mean, eight to 10, I would guess, you know, maybe more. Um, what's crazy is, you know, my my original connection is, you know, they came out of San Diego and one of my mentors, a guy named Charlie Alcock, 
Charlie was a youth pastor out at a church in San Diego called um, uh, Skyline. And he opened, this had been back in 90, 97, probably 97, 98 ish. Um, Charlie opened this amazing um, youth center that was down the street from the church. It was like in a strip mall deal and they called it Ground Zero. And uh, they had a great PA setup, great stage setup. And back in the day, he started booking Switchfoot, like before they were Switchfoot. In fact, there was this like other band that in the San, like that area of San Diego that was like really big was called um, Dogwood, I think. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I think that's it. So the first time he books Switchfoot, right, to play Ground Zero, his his youth are like, what's up with this? Like, you should have booked Dogwood. You know, Switchfoot sucks. You know, no one even knows who they are. And um, so before they got big, I remember Charlie calling me and being like, dude, like these dudes in Switchfoot are the, the real deal. Like they're amazing. They're going to blow up. And so he started booking them for different conferences that their denomination put on. And so I saw him like super early in that mix because of, uh, of Charlie's connection and then just saw him so many times. One of the, one of the highlights, dude, we did a, an event here in town called uh, stories and stories and songs with John. And it was a deal we had gotten to know through Charlie. We got to know Bob Taylor from Taylor guitars and they were really close with John, you know, John played Taylor. And so we hooked this thing up to raise money for a local charity where John came to Indy. We hosted this thing at East 91st street Christian church where I was at. And it was a night of Bob Taylor and John Foreman talking about the songs that he wrote on different Taylor guitars and all this stuff, dude, it was so freaking cool. And then afterwards we went down the street to, I can't remember what restaurant it's, it's since closed, but we went to a restaurant with just like, you know, the, you know, four or five of us that had, you know, helped with the event and, and John Foreman and, and Bob Taylor and, oh dude, just <laughs> sitting around hearing them tell stories and just be dudes, you know what I mean? And friends and that, that was a freaking cool night. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not a bad night. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. That's cool. So the song you've chosen to talk about is This Is Your Life, uh, track mm -hmm. number two off the Beautiful Letdown album. Um, I shared this on our episode that we, we had Aswan North on from Paper Tongues. And, you know, this the first time I heard Switchfoot was Meant to Live on the radio. But when I went to buy this album, put the CD in my car, Meant to Live is number one. Then here comes that, you know, iconic bass line of This Is yeah. Your Life. And that's all it took for me to be hooked. Like I knew this band was special and it was going to be a band that I would love. Um, and so that, so this song means a lot to me. And uh, I know you were kind of thinking how many, you know, out of all the songs I've got, you know, which one do I choose? But we kind of landed on this one. So um, why has this song meant a lot to you over the years? You know, obviously that album was just so amazing, such good stuff, you know, in it. But so much of what I talk about, you know, in my preaching and teaching for the past, you know, 20 years has been a lot of the message of this song, you know, and I did model it after this, but they've always resonated with where my heart is to let people know, like, you know, three of the things I tell people all the time on my podcast are that God's for you, not against you. God's near you, not far away. And he's created you on purpose and for a purpose. And I feel like, you know, my mission in life is to awaken people to become who God's created them to be. And so, you know, with this song, like, you know, just the hook of it, like, you know, this is your life. Like, are you who you want to be, you know, and that we have license, we have ability to actually create you know, what Christ threw us, but, you know, to create the future using the gifts and abilities, you know, that God has created within us. And so um, I just love the message throughout the song. And it's been something that, 
you know, I feel like I remember in college and even, you know, after that, you know, growing up and through my 20s, I've just continued to come back to this song. And it's, you know, just so, you know, it has such a great anthem vibe, but just um, the challenge even to me, you know what I mean? Of like, listen, you get one of these things. There is no replay. You know what I mean? Like you get one life. This is it. You know, and are you taking control of it? Are you you know, seizing each day. I remember when I was 18, I was out in San Diego uh, with our band and, and my first tattoo I got was a sun on my shoulder that says Carpe Diem, you know, seize the day. And and so, you know, part of that is just the, the, the essence of what I want my life to be about. I feel like this song, you know, proclaims. Yeah, I was going to ask you about, you know, all the, all the projects you're involved in, I can kind of see, you know, things that I'm involved with as well, whether it's writing or, or speaking or whatever that, um, just kind of the the DNA of, of Switchfoot, their background, who they are, lyric lyrically, um, all those things kind of fit. Um, I also was noticing on your website, uh, DarrenEarlyWine.com, even a lot of your taglines or captions of different projects, you know, would probably make our fans think about Switchfoot. You know, like one of them is "Life is too short to simply exist." Of course, you think of the song "Live It Well" or the song, you know, "I Want to Thrive, Not Just Survive." Oh yeah. Uh, one tagline is discover who you were born to be on your website. And so that made me think of this song, of course, are you who you want to be? Or even the next track on the beautiful letdown album. Like I want more than more than fine. I want more than just okay. Yeah. Um, which is cool. But also with things like your, um, you know, spiritual DNA course or your podcast or the book that's coming out, um, the, the connections I was going to, you know, you kind of touched on a little bit, but does the, the message of, you know, maybe um, at least parts of the book coming out. You can mention too the the title and, and talk about that. Um, it's yeah. coming out, the release date's coming up here, but um, as it relates to this is your life or really anything life or Switchfoot related. Yeah, I just feel like you know there are so many times when I'm when I'm taking a long walk or I'm mowing my you know grass, whatever, driving around. Like I'll just go on Spotify and you know put the you know the hit the this is Switchfoot you know uh, playlist. And like as as much as I, I mean, I was driving home from Michigan a couple of weeks ago, have a, a speaking engagement up there. So I drove home for like three hours the whole time just listening to Switchfoot. <laughs> it was like every song that came on, I'm like, oh, I forgot how much I love this song, or I would forget about a song and forget how poignant and how meaningful the lyrics were. And that's the thing I love about John. I really draw a connection. I feel like like John and and Bono are like in the same like zip code of like, you know. There are so many U2 songs, I feel like, that, you know, they have the heart, you know, a Christian heart behind it. And Bono is trying to write in a way that is poetic and that is smart. And I love that about Switchfoot is that, you know, they have songs where, like, the cliche Christian artist would have said it so less poetically, you know, than John does. And the way that he writes and and i love that part and that's i feel like what i've you know with a lot of our ministries whether it's pub theology or when we had a radio show for three and a half years on one of the secular stations here in india like finding ways of how do you say how do you speak the gospel without being just cliche you know how can you bring the artistic side out of that and and allow the the poetry of of the gospel and, and the creativity of god come through and i feel like switchfoot does that all of the time and, um, and I think, you know, for me, um, there are so many songs that do connect to, um, you know, the heart of my book and a lot of my, the book's called the death of a dream, uh, resurrecting purpose when life doesn't go as planned. 
And, um, you know, I've not met anybody, Tyler, over the age of probably 17 that hasn't experienced the death of a dream somehow. Like they mm -hmm. thought, this is how my life's supposed to go. This is what's supposed to happen to me. And even the song, like, you know what I mean? You know, is this is your life, right? Is it everything you dreamed that it would be, you know, when the world was younger and you had everything to lose? And you, you look at that and, and I know that so many of us were growing up, like we just, we risk it all. We go for it big. We think everything's going to work out. And then, and then life happens to us and around us, you know, and when we get to that place, how do we get back to a place of, of, you know, to pull another song, like right? to, to, you know, to dare to move, you know, to, to get back up off the floor and say, I know that this dream has died, but I'm going to meet God in, in this, you know, in this pain. And I'm going to trust him to actually resurrect purpose out of it. And um, he's done that in my life. And that's what I you know write about in the book. And I, I tell it through my life a little bit, but then also through the life of Joseph uh, in the Old Testament, who, you know, had a dream. And, and before he knew it, he's in a, you know, a prison cell. And I'm sure thinking that dream is dead and there's no way that God's going to be able to, 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 to resurrect that. And, and God does. And, and more than that, he, you know, he saves his people through the process. And so, um, that's what the book's called. That's what it's about. And we could probably sit here and, and, and pull Switchfoot songs out of every chapter. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you too, have you found yourself quoting John or, or Switchfoot lyrics a lot throughout your messages? Or is it just me? Because I can tell you right now, the youth group I work with is probably sick and tired of me saying, you know, the great John Foreman once said, or the yeah. Switchfoot lyric is... <laughs> Yeah, those would be my two goals. If I can, if I can somehow uh, work a a, a U two song title or quote or switchfoot into a sermon, I know I've done a good job. Yes. <laughs> well, here's what John said about the song when he wrote it. He said, um, "Music holds her cards close to her chest. She always maintains the element of mystery. Sometimes everything feels so right, and you can't explain why. This album felt that way for us. We only spent around two weeks in the studio." and I wouldn't have spent another minute. This tune is a good example of the mystery of sound. We started messing around at my house with different low-end synths and lo-fi beats, and this mellow acoustic song became transformed. Uh, I'm not quite sure how we got here, but I'm glad that the song arrived. Um, he said he flew out to South Beach in Florida um, to be part of the mixing process, and uh, I remember thinking, this is crazy, this is my life, and sometimes the simplest questions are the hardest to answer kind of like the way the night sky can still shake me up. Hmm. So he's obviously said a lot more, you know, since then, but that was, those were some of his initial thoughts. Um, this is also, I don't think they play this one live as much, definitely not as much as they used to. I think probably the first 12 to 15 times I ever saw him, they, it was always a staple in the set. And when Tim would play that baseline, it was always a huge reaction. Oh yeah. For that, and uh, also, if you remember the the guitar effect John used to do with the like singing in, like the microphone yeah. in the guitar, yeah. um, and and I also thought of uh, reminiscing about the song. This is the one that he would typically go out in the crowd. So I think now it's a lot of times it's like Love Alone, um, yeah, one of the newer ones on on their current tour. But a lot of times when This Is Your Life was playing, that's when he was coming out. So you had to watch for him. <laughs> no doubt, dude. I, I I love that moments when he does that. I think the last time I saw him, it was uh, Love Alone was what was what he was what he came out with. But yeah, yeah, dude. There's just so many epic moments. You mentioned some of the lyrics from the song. I think this might be. I need to look it up, but I think it might be the song that has the fewest words of probably at least any well-known Switchfoot song. There's really not a whole lot of words, but it's so short and sweet. Um, yeah. For me, the lyric that just says today is all you've got mm. today, today is all you've got now today is all you'll ever have 
and and I'm reminded just of you know if you only live in the past and about past mistakes or even past good things like kind of living in the glory days and you're not really thinking about now or you're thinking too much about the future and goals and planning and you're becoming obsessed with the future yeah you're not really living for today and so that that song and and, and their message is today is what counts today is what matters if you even look those of us that uh, that read scripture you probably notice that there's really nothing about tomorrow in scripture except don't worry about tomorrow don't yeah. boast about tomorrow like it's all about the here and now so i don't know if any other lyrics or if those lyrics meant, have meant something to you as well but yeah, I, I always love the one where he says yesterday is a kid in the corner yesterday is dead and over you yeah. know what i mean and i always tell people like life's a one-way street you know what i mean if you sit there thinking about where's the u-turn when i get to go back and do it over you don't you know you wake up and you, you you grab today you know you know by the throat and go after it and before you know it you're looking around asking yourself this is your life are you who you want to be right yeah i've seen on youtube as well a lot of people have have used this song to make these really beautiful uh pieces of art whether it's you know ministry or some kind of uh yeah dream or even agencies and stuff have used it so that's pretty cool to look at but um you know in, in your life you've been one of those people that is a dreamer, a go-getter, you know, you follow your passions, you try to help people reach goals in life. So what advice would you give to uh, the person listening to this, no matter what their age is and where they're listening from? Um, I think all of us are trying to figure out this thing called life. So we're, we're all trying to be who we want to be. Um, yeah. What's your best advice for those who are trying to figure life out? Yeah, you know, Tyler, what I would say is you got to answer you got to answer four basic questions, right? First and foremost, you got to know who you are. And that's so much deeper than just, hey, my name's Darren, you know, like, and your name's Tyler, that's who I am. But for me, you got to know who you are. And, and that's so much deeper than, you know, your 46 physical chromosomes that comes down to your spirit, you know, and your flesh and understanding that, you know, do you know your identity and who God has created you to be? And if you don't know that, you know, you're unanchored, you don't really have a, you know, a rudder, I guess, in life, because you're just, you're kind of creating it and making it up on your own. And I think when we get to the place of realizing that we're not an accident, that we're here on purpose, and that there's a God that created us, if we can get, we need to get connected and understand who am I, who does he say I am? So you got to answer who, you got to understand why, you got to understand why you do what you do. Most of us, spend a lot of our time chasing down what we do right and what we do wrong. And we never take time to really dig to, to, to dig deep enough to know why am I motivated to do or not do what I'm doing in life. And you gotta, you gotta answer that question. Um, third one I would say is you gotta know what you do uh, uniquely. What are the things that God's created you uniquely to do? You know, every one of us is, is different. We all had different gifts and abilities, strengths, and uh, you know, in a unique calling, and if you don't know what makes you unique, you know, uh, amongst the other millions and millions of people on earth, uh, you might just waste your life. And the last thing I would say is you got to know where you got to know where you make the greatest impact on life. And that has a lot to do about a place that you're passionate about. And I really believe that God is a good enough dad to actually let us do what we love doing. Um, and so those are those are four questions that when I when I learned how to answer those and uh, learned what, what what God had to say about them. It, it truly did transform my life, um, and I write a lot about that. Uh, I talk a lot about that in, in my podcast, and then I've created a like you mentioned earlier the online course Spiritual DNA. Uh, 
it takes you through answering those four questions. And the reason I created it as a course is because it's, you know, it changed and saved my life. And, um, you know, I want to have it for a resource so, so other people can experience the same. That's great advice. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I know by the time this airs, I think there will still be about three days left of the giveaway. So if you want to plug that real quick, as far as a chance that, uh, that absolutely. Yeah. Tyler, if, yeah. If you want to win some AirPod, uh, AirPod pros as well as an autographed copy of the book and, uh, uh, a shirt and some stickers uh, promoting uh, that come at, from the promotion of the book. You can just go to uh, first, you know, first just follow me on Instagram, just search Darren early wine uh, on Instagram. And I have a pinned post right at the top of my feed uh, that, that details it. You just got to uh, like it and, uh, and share it. And then uh, tag, uh, tag three friends in it and you're entered to win. We're going to actually, uh, you know, yeah, uh, draw a winner on Sunday and uh, you can win some AirPad, AirPod, I can't say that ever, AirPod <laughs> Pros. And uh, like I said, uh, copy the book and, and t-shirt and stuff like that. So uh, go check it out on Instagram and we hope hope you win. And we're gonna, we're gonna do another promotion, I think uh, the, the next week after that, whatever. So if you just follow me on social, uh, you'll get a chance to, to win some more stuff. We got some cool stuff uh, coming your way. Awesome, thanks so much for your time. Everybody go subscribe to his podcast, pre-order the book. Even if you don't win the AirPods or the book, uh, go go purchase one. You won't be disappointed. So, uh, Darren, thank you so much again. It's great to talk to you, and have a great day. Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Oh,